Hello, welcome to Tea Hanks for the Memories. I'm your host, Darren, and today we're going to be talking about, I, I don't know why we have to, angels and demons. Um, you, you know what? In 2009, uh, Tom Hanks produced Where the Wild Things Are, and if I wasn't sticking to my rules, I would rather talk about that film instead. But here we are, uh, the Robert Langdon sequel. The first one made tons of money. This one, uh, not so much. Uh, it was released in Rome on the 4th of May 2009. They were just rubbing it in the Holy See's face. And then two weeks later, it opened wide. Uh, Tom, of course, is getting top billing. He's getting the only billing because there's nobody else in this film other than the one person who you might suspect is the bad guy. Uh, joining me to talk about it today, I have Sarah F. Decker. Hello. Thank you for having me. And I have Ollie Brady. Hello, Ollie. Hey, Darren. How are you? Darren, um... I, yes. I, I've recently changed podcasts. I'm not sure if I told you. I've left the DiCaprio Recapio. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh, so I've started a new spin-off podcast called uh, Popular Fiction, where I only <laughs> cover movies that feature the Pope. Um, it's I mean, a, it's I a short run series. I would love to be a guest on that podcast. Yeah, I've, I, I assume you've already co- covered the Pope Must Die. We we covered that was that was number one on the call sheet. Um, yeah, <laughs> Pope Must Die, uh, <laughs> a, a classic of the old featuring Hagrid himself. Uh, called, of course, in America, the Pope Must Diet. Uh, <laughs> that's true. It's they, like, they, is it actually some, true? Yeah, for some for some reason, I don't know why they couldn't call it the Pope Must Die, but they call it the Pope Must Diet. Oh. Um, so there you go. I like to think that's just a church um, pun. Since a diet is a kind of church council. Ooh. I don't think it was. <laughs> I doubt it, sir. I think it was just they'd heard bad things about putting the word die on posters, so they just changed it to diet. Because he had Robbie Coltrane in. Yeah, and, and he was a big know. dude. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, it was also, uh, very briefly, banned in Ireland. Mm. Um, and there was, the Pope must die. The Pope must die, and there was controversy yeah. around it. And uh, I, I, like it's one of those things where it was banned for a week until the censors yeah. actually watched it and went, Oh no, <laughs> that's, not, that's not what this is. And then audiences saw it and they were like, why did you let us just keep this banned? Please, let's pretend we can't see it. Um, yeah, normally I ask guests, you know, when was the first time you saw this film? And I think for at least two of us, the answer is uh, this day, like, you know, 20 minutes ago, we finished watching it. For me, it is not. I saw it shortly after it came out. Yeah, I was going to say, I think Sarah's the only one who's, uh, you know, a huge fan of Robert Langdon. She loves symbology from what I've heard. That fake field you know. symbology. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, it's also not the first time I watched it, Darren. Um, oh, is it not? I watched this with Sarah. Um, you did? We, we did. We watched this together, Sarah. <laughs> no memory and, of this. Uh, not, not, not in person, but in like an over over the internet we watching did? for some reason. When? Like Why? four years ago. But it was my first time watching it then. And um, yeah, it was a bad movie. It's very bad. I don't know why we did that. Uh, I had completely forgotten that, but I actually watched it, I think, shortly after it came out because uh, my mom actually is a big fan of Dan Brown. I am less a big fan of Dan Brown as a medieval historian who knows every single time that he is wrong. <laughs> well, the funny the funny thing is, and I, you know, obviously during the, you know, I had to watch a Da Vinci Code as well, and I will have to watch Inferno. Um, have you, obviously, have you seen Inferno yet, ever, Darren? No. Yeah. Do you know, here's the, like, when I, when, when I did Da Vinci Code, uh, Da Vinci Code and this were both on uh, Prime for free. Yeah. Uh, but not Inferno. Mm. So, you know, I was like, I've got to do Da Vinci Code. I'll just watch Da Vinci Code. But then by the time it came around to today, it's no longer on Prime. So I was like, well, uh, I'll have to watch it a different way. Da Vinci Code is, yeah, Da Vinci Code is too long. Um, 
the, this one is also too, too confusing. And yeah. uh, Inferno is possibly the worst movie watching experience I've ever had. It's just, <laughs> a, it's a terrible movie. Like, there is nothing about that movie that is even remotely good. And I was looking at your, your Google Doc, Darren, for people signing yeah. up. And I was thinking, I wonder who's going to sign up for Inferno because if you've seen it, you're not going to want to talk about it. Like, it is bad. Um, I think I think the weirdest thing is, out of the three, I think it's the one that's got the highest Rotten Tomato score. Really? <laughs> oh, my God. I think so. Oh, no, it goes down to 23. I think that's <laughs> higher. I think, I think Da Vinci Code is like 22, though, so I think it still gets slightly better than Da Vinci Code. Wow. It is. Uh, but this one got 37. So um, Inferno what? is actually the only one I've never seen and also actually the only one I've never read. I have read both Da Vinci Code and Angels and Demons. And the reason I did not read the Inferno is because uh, my parents were reading it and told me about a line. I don't know if this made it into the film, but it is in the book where Robert Langdon sits and looks upon the city of Venice and says, I wonder what this city would look like if it hadn't been conquered by the Muslims. I can assure you it would look okay. very much like this because Venice was never conquered by the Muslims. <laughs> okay. And I just uh, said I, I mean, we'll save it. that for when, yeah, we'll say, we'll save that for when I get to, when I have to get to Inferno. Although saying that, um, you know, I am about to hit a streak of like eight films in a row that I actually saw at the cinema mm-hmm. uh, oh. for Tom, for Tom Hanks. Um, you know, I saw Charlie Wilson's war and I saw road to perdition and cast away in green mile and toy story two. You know, so I've never had like a full run of just seeing a bunch of films at the cinema. Um, and starting from the next one until Bridge of Spies, saw them all at the cinema. Obviously, you two will both be returning for Bridge of Spies. Yeah, yeah. Uh, wait, so Bridge of Spies. talk about that Modern when classic. we get there. Yeah. Um, and then at some point, I've got to go through the Hologram for the King and <laughs> Inferno and the Circle. Enjoy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but you know, obviously, the book for this came out before Da Vinci Code. And established the character of the dolphin, um, as he is nicknamed. Um, something which was not. Uh, this was uh, w- one of our guests on the previous on the Da Vinci Code was you know a, was a Dan Brown fan, and had a whole blog about Dan Brown and had read all the books and seen all the films. Uh, he was to join us on this one, but he you know due to scheduling he hasn't been able to make it. But um, you know obviously Angels Demons not a success, and then Da Vinci Code huge success. And when they did the films, as I said on the Da Vinci Code podcast, they deliberately did the Da Vinci Code mm-hmm. first because obviously that was the more successful book. Uh, but also they did it as a standalone film, so it didn't reference anything. Mm-hmm. But it also didn't feature the Mickey Mouse watch and it didn't feature Robert Langdon swimming. Um, so, <laughs> so they this... left out like the important elements for Dan Brown fans who love Robert Langdon because apparently those are two of the things in the books that he does a lot you know, constantly talking about his Mickey Mouse watch and never, like, swimming all the time. At every opportunity, he's in a pool. He is swimming. Um, uh, there is one Yeah, th- there is one line referencing Angels and Demons in the Da Vinci Code movie where it's ju- he just says something along the lines of, I'm not popular with them. Yeah. And that's it. And he just he just leaves it at that. And, like, it, it's for it's meant to be for, you know, the book fans. Um, I'm not as big a fan as has uh, your previous guest but I've read all of Dan Brown's novels and um, I so this is not a book podcast so we don't want to go into details but um, for a man who writes absolute trash I would read 50 of those in a row if you handed them to me it's like Clive Cussler they're it's it's just they know exactly what they're doing 
seven page long chapters and every chapter finishes on a cliffhanger where yeah. you go well i'd better read the next one and it's only seven pages and then suddenly you realize it's 1 a.m and you're still reading about robert langdon and his improbably 21 year old french doctor girlfriend um sorry i'm predicting what's going to happen in inferno for you darren but like get ready <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, there is always a winsome brunette in these films. Yes. There's, you know, there was one in the last one. There is one in this one. And there will be one in the next one. Mm-hmm. The, I think the next one is the most winsome. And in fact, throughout the entire my notes, I only ever referred to her as the brunette. Because I couldn't remember her name. And I don't think it was really that important. I think she's Italian, but she also spoke French and German and Latin. She doesn't and... really have anything to do. I don't remember if she no. did more in the book, but in the movie, I kept thinking that there was going to be some moment at which her scientific expertise would prove relevant, especially because, uh, can I say, it is way more likely that an academic, let's say something like an art historian would know Latin than that a like scientist would actually know Latin that well at this point, right? Up scientists, yeah. scientists weigh in. Like, why? Why would you really need Latin as a scientist? Whereas for what Robert Langdon does, he would need to be to know Latin quite well. I mean, there are some uh, there are some elements on the periodic table that have a different name that's derives from the Latin. But you don't really need to so, know Latin. You just need to know the word. I can tell you. I can tell you for with, with great experience, Darren. <laughs> you're not going to learn Latin for that. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, knowing knowing that lead is plumbum, you know, it's always fun at parties, um, you know. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I don't know if there's like ten characters in the book that are meant to be this this brunette, but she seems to know everything. Um, you know, when they ask her to do stuff, she's just like, oh yeah, I know that. Um, you know, so uh, but yeah, like she. What's funny is my picture of all the the three Robert Langdon films is always him with a brunette next to him that he's grabbing by the wrist and pulling along and i don't know if that happens in any of the films but that is always how i imagine it is him just grabbing someone by the wrist and being like we've got to run to this thing and this there's, there's a there's you know there's a bit of running there was a lot of running in the last one there's a bit of running in this one there's a lot more driving around the city in this one mm-hmm. um than running is it it's a bit quicker than it, just running is it audrey tattoo in yeah yeah i think it yeah. was audrey tattoo yeah and it's i i let Zero. I can never remember pronounce her name. Um, yeah, in this one. In this one. And then it's Felicity, she's actually Felicity Jones in Inferno. Yes, um, I love Felicity Jones. So yes, maybe that will make that film bearable. I even saw a Chalet Girl at the cinema. Uh, that is how much of a fan I am of Felicity Jones. So oh, maybe so, that will make the film go faster. So uh, the it was fact you, that Darren, who saw Chalet Girl at the cinema. Uh, do you know what? I think when I saw Shall I Girl, it was on one of the smaller screens at my cinema. It might have been screen 14, which is like the smallest at the time. And uh, I think it was mostly sold out, to be oh, honest wow. with you. I think it, it was a good screening. When I saw Larry Crown, uh, which would be an upcoming discussion in a few weeks, I was the only person in the cinema. Uh, there was nobody else in there. It was like I had my own private screening. Oh, um, but, you know, I'll talk about more of that uh, in, in upcoming weeks. In this, we get the end of a partnership, which I'm sure everybody, you know, has been watching over the over the decades. It was legendary going all the way back to Splash. Uh, that's right. Tom Hanks and Rance Howard on screen. Um, he was also in Burbs, which is really weird. Like, not a Ron Howard film, but still with Tom Hanks. Mm. Um, and then I think he was also in uh, Apollo 13. Uh, he doesn't actually interact with with Tom. He just like he's just a priest sitting in a living room, and you're like, why is that guy so prominently framed? And then you're like, oh, of course, it's Ron's dad. Um, yeah. So uh, this is the last time that he'll work with Rance Howard. In fact, I don't. I'm not sure that Rance Howard 
Brands Howard and Armin Müller Star kind of they their careers kind of fall off a little bit after this film. I think Armin Müller Star only does like another two films, um, and I love Armin Müller Star. Love his voice. Love that accent. Yeah. Um, you know, such a such a wonderful in the game. He's just great in that. Um, there's a couple of other films I've seen him in where he's just always always wonderful presence. Very gives a lot of gravitas to this. As you know, a cardinal who speaks slowly, um, because for some reason, you know, they're going to murder a cardinal every hour, but you've still got to walk slowly and talk slowly around this place. You know, you can't run in the Vatican. I um, mm, okay. Um, I've been to Rome, <laughs> and yes, there, the amount of time it takes them to get from place to place makes no sense. Every single time they're no. there just on the wire, even when there are times where it explicitly makes clear that they have like 45 minutes and they're in cars. It does yeah. not take that long to get to the to get between these places in Rome. Especially you know, at nighttime with no traffic. Yes. Like that's yeah. the thing. And that they yeah. presumably but, have, you know, and, you know, they presumably have, a, you know, pol- you know, sirens or whatever that they can use. It, it makes no sense. There, I mean, there are a lot of people waiting for the new Pope to be announced. So maybe that's up the traffic a little bit. Um, and we'll discuss how that's kind of almost a distraction a little bit. But uh, the funny thing is, there used to be a joke. It doesn't actually apply at this moment because there are still just two living Popes at the moment. Uh, but the, the question used to be, how many, how many Popes are there in the Vatican per square mile? And the answer is 1.3 because Vatican City isn't a square Less mile. Less than a square mile, yeah. Yeah, so you end up... But now there's like... It's weird. Yeah, the math is weird because you know it's like two. It's like two point four or something right. popes that we've got at the moment per square mile in the Vatican City. Um, so yeah, the, but yeah. The, the, so if there's not even a, if the Vatican City isn't even a square mile, then why is it taking them forever to get between all these churches when they they're so close to the Vatican? Like it's always pointed out in the maps. Anyway, I we'll uh, get into it. I did a tour as we get to the of yes of the the sites, and uh, I, it was my first time. Well, it was my second time in Rome. It was my first time really paying attention to what I was doing because the first time I went, I was like a young hooligan over for football and drinking. Darren, you you know how it's like. You're you're in Wolverhampton. You know you know, and uh, and then the the next time I went over, I was with a girl and like we did the whole angels and demons tour because we'd done the Da Vinci Code tour in Paris. In We're Paris, like, this yes. is gonna be great. And it was it's like a it's like a twenty five minute walk. Like you just you literally <laughs> walk from piazza to piazza to piazza. Oh, there's a fountain. Right now we're back in thing. You're like, oh, uh, right, and we have to get to the Colosseum for the end. Oh no, there it is. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah, they're all within walking. Like. Would not. I'm not sure walking yeah. between these churches would take 45 minutes. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's it's crazy. I mean, I think because obviously uh, the Da Vinci Code was the running film. You know, there's a lot of running in that. I think for this one, they wanted to make it the driving film, but then they forgot how tiny Rome was. And then, of course, the Catholic Church doesn't want anything to do with Dan Brown, uh, not for good reasons, for bad reasons, because they think somehow, I don't know, the, the, the kind of this makes the church problematic because of all the Illuminati stuff. Yeah, I've got news for you, popes. Um, that ain't the reason why the Catholic Church is problematic. So, you know, if anything, this makes the, the, the church look more exciting. You know, there are cardinals out there, like, in little tiny cardinal pr- prisons, like, getting branded and stuff. Like, right. this makes things look more exciting than they actually are. So, but yeah, so, you know, they couldn't film in any churches that were consecrated or uh, you know, there's a whole bunch. So a lot of this is just on studios and, mm-hmm. you know, there's a few locations they found. So I guess that's probably why all of the geography is completely messed up. Yeah. and makes no sense. Like a lot of the film. Yeah. 